Welcome to One of Two Hundred, the international independent politics and media podcast. I'm joined by. Do I get to call you um, semi-regular co-hosts, co-hosts, friends of the cast, um, <laughs> returning, returning characters? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Ross and Josephine, welcome to the podcast, folks. Kia ora! Kia ora. It is a pleasure <laughs> to be back. Yeah, yeah same here. Kia ora, and- everyone couldn't have two better guests um for this week's news which is the passing of britons and many other uh many many other many other countries monarch uh queen elizabeth ii i'm having a respectful silence that is absolutely not me giggling and um with the mic like covering with my hand covering the mic i yeah it's so- it was interesting because I, you know, I know that you were also awake uh, when things started occurring, uh, Ross. About um, one. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I was. <laughs> where Where were you when you first saw the memes that said the Queen had died? Um, <laughs> it's the question that we will be asking ourselves in future. Yeah. So um, it's. I mean, it's. It's. 96 year old woman dies peacefully in her sleep is uh shocking to hear yeah, i guess to say goodbye to her to her family yeah which is which is more than like tens of thousands of old people in the uk managed to do during the pandemic so you know uh good for her um yas queen but uh yeah i mean it's it's I had always thought that when the Queen finally died, that the UK would end up sinking into the sea out of respect. And it does look like that's happening. So, um, you know, it's not all bad news. Uh, <laughs> it, is, it has been incredible watching, like, the vast majority of the British press just lose their fucking minds. Inc- just phenomenal work. I think my favourite was... Uh, Owen Jones and a few other people like coming straight out the gate. Like this is on, this is like late Thursday night, our time with people of Britain, be very careful what you tweet because you do not want to end up in prison over saying something nasty about the queen and just the in, absolutely incredible. Do not say anything mean about the head of state for, for a nation that has been responsible for the deaths of millions of people and the relentless subjugation of, of uh, cultures across the world because you will get put in prison for it. Just, just. Yeah. It was a mixture, of, a mixture of that. And like the daily mail will be scouring um, social media to crucify someone. And, they, and that's not untrue. Yeah, that's not untrue, but also this kind of out the gate, front footed tone policing um, of of the left, um, not to celebrate the death of a head of state who has overseen just atrocity after atrocity um, is sad, pathetic um a, a cowardly uh i like i know jones is um ostensibly left wing but sometimes when things like that come out of the kind of left media class or, or whatever you want to call it um i it's, just have to cry <laughs> it's yeah no it's, it's just this this real sort of like bizarrely traumatic response of we're so frightened of of the daily mail and and to be fair they're an appalling organization and deserve to be uh redacted in minecraft um but like just this you can't like we're we're gonna cringe away from this already it's like what they're gonna arrest like <laughs> the twitter police are gonna come and knock and like break down the doors of thousands of homes across the uk to, to like to get people with tweets it's like come on guys like don't don't do this don't do their work for them this is ridiculous yeah i'm just encouraged by the response of you know um so many people across the world whether it is the irish whether it is the scottish um comrades (laughs) (laughs) um the caribbean our caribbean anti-imperialist comrades uh those in india 
Um, even then, you know, I must say that the Indian media, you know, the established Indian media has also been trying to glorify um, uh, this institution, which is really, you know, which is really, um, what do you call it, strange for me. And um, to me, what the whole, you know, uh, this whole spectacle that's unfolding before our eyes, where everyone, every single established uh, media that, you know, people usually access is glorifying the hell out of um, uh, the Queen and the cr British Crown. It just reminds me of how the difference between institutional violence and individual violence, right? So when there is a individual racism, for example, uh, from the part of, say, for example, a, a regular person on the street, um, the media will be, you know, up in arms and saying Black Lives Matter and all those sorts of things. But when there is uh, institutional violence, um, you know, which couldn't be represented in any better way than what we see in the in the UK, the crown of the UK, uh, when somebody dies there, where is your commitment to, towards uh, Black Lives Matter and anti-racism? And to, I just want to say, you know, all the people who said Black Lives Matter and, you know, um, stood in a so-called solidarity with us um, in the people in the global south who have been plundered and looted and this is not in the past so this is another misconception that colonialism was in the past but you would know if you are you know familiar with the work of of anti-colonial leaders like um, Thomas Sankara and um, of Kwame Nkrumah in Ghana that in the anti you know after we got independence we have been living in a neo-colonial era again once again presided by the United States and UK with the British crown at the top of it and so um, it's not in the past the atrocities of the UK are not in the past we are talking about after Elizabeth became queen we're talking about the atrocities where 200,000 uh, Yemeni people died between 1954 and 67 in Yemen. And now how, you know, United Kingdom is among the states that is supporting um, uh, Saudi's genocidal war in Yemen. So this is, this is the epitome of institutional racism and the, you know, uh, an, an institution that that basically entrenched the ideas of white supremacy and you know Western civilizational superiority, um, which justified um, the atrocities against black and brown people across the world. So, and also the working class people in their own countries were suffering um, because of um, the kind of system that um, she represented. So what we're seeing is a whitewashing of this institution. Um, and it really pains me to see that people and leaders who, um, you know, for example, Jacinda Ardern, who, you know, uh, claimed to be anti-racist and after the March 15 terrorist attack came down and, you know, showed commitment to the cause of people who have been impacted by colonization and, you know, uh, the empire's wars after in the post-colonial era, uh, the refugees, for example, Islamic uh, people from Islamic countries and uh, Muslim refugees and so forth. But now all that commitment is, is vaporized. I mean, uh, we need, to, it's the 21st century. We need to start being honest about what these institutions represent. And those of us who claim to be anti-racist should really think about, you know, what is the impact of this, this institution on you know on the lives of uh, common people around the world on the lives of working class people in britain and in in other places like new zealand as well as you know uh, colonized people across the world so yeah it's it's been uh, quite revealing for me and i'm just um, i'm disappointed in the that there's not much critical perspective coming from the media and it's that dishonesty which has really undercut so much of like just what we're seeing. Um, there, it's it's almost wall to wall. Um, Forelock tugging. Yeah, it, it is. is wild. It's I, a, like a, at a baseline. At a baseline. I think it's it's a really beautiful illustration of white Western culture's complete inability to think critically. Like just there's this like dominant narrative of oh well say you could say what you like about 
about the institution. Yes, I, I will. Um, but she was somebody's mum and somebody's nana. It's like, who's whose mum? Who's what? Oh, the paedophile's mum. Uh, the, the king of England's mum. <laughs> All right. No, carry on. Yep. No, I hear you. just this like, oh, she worked tirelessly for, for, for Britain and the culture. Doing what exactly? Sitting wearing a hat covered in looted jewels like and on a throne made of gold wow yeah no that's that's absolute work yeah 100 just this and this um oh now is not time to be political like the the death of a head of state who oversaw who who came to this like found out that she had ascended to the throne in kenya to try and help put down the mau mau rebellion it's like just yeah this this absolute like I, we cannot think past this she was kind of like her nana and it's like well I don't, ex you know, if my Nana, who has outlived her, amazingly, um, hi, Nan, uh, had had managed, like, had somehow, like, had overseen decades of sort of genocidal behavior, um, like, I probably wouldn't be wanting everyone to, uh, like, you know, mourn her. I'd be like, yeah, that's, she wasn't a great person. <laughs> I need to think about that. But yeah, like, it's, it's just, yeah, like, like, British people, and I speak as one, like just really struggle to, to have any kind of like critical thinking, like cognitive dissonance is just a very British thing. Yeah. Um, and it really is showing how much that um, particular aspect of Britishness uh, is still prevalent in the, co the colonies, former colonies, whatever you want to call them, um, that the institution has like just glommed on to those societies in a way that's incontrovertible. Mm. Like you, you see um, basically every politician, um, I, I don't think there's been a single AMP in New Zealand who has spoken out against the monarchy, um, even some that you think might have. Um, it's all been respectfulness first and foremost. Um, and by that, I mean, um, I mean that euphemistically, um, yep. it's, it's been a, a little bit of bootlicking first and foremost by anyone making a statement about it. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry for their family, yada, yada. Okay, cool, whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, part of that is, I think, out of fear. They don't want to be the news story. Yeah. And, okay, whatever. There's some expediency. Uh, but at the same time, like, where's my anti-monarchy representation in Parliament? Um, yeah. You know, we're not a country of monarchists. A lot of people do want a republic, uh, and we've we've seen very and for like a, a variety of reasons I might, I might add, but we've seen almost yeah wall to wall and yeah hagiography uh, hey, 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 yeah yeah and I'm just gonna say um, Ross it's not just um, yeah she's sitting on a throne of gold but <laughs> stolen gold <laughs> stolen all of it stolen <laughs> from Af uh, you know Africa and India yeah. Her, you know, the thing she's wearing on her head is also stolen. And so we also need to question, you know, the binaries of, you know, criminality and mm -hmm. um, what is criminal and also this idea of, you know, uh, uh, Benny bashing, um, you know. <laughs> 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 I mean, where is the accountability in these situations, right? So where is, uh, why aren't we holding these people accountable for their crimes to him? you know, the institution's crimes to humanity, if not the individual's? Yeah. Um, we need to talk about these things. And um, the, the countries that are impacted by colonization are still going through those impacts of colonization. Look at the way in which the United Kingdom has, has been um, behaving uh, after the Second World War, they supported apartheid, you know, in uh, South Africa until 1994 when, when they got independence, right? So um, it's the legacy of the crown, the white supremacist legacy of the crown um, is still continuing. It ha it's not a thing of the past. And, you know, some would argue that their support for Israel and the apartheid state over there is another example of the ongoing sort of um, violence that they made out to a people that have been colonized. So, yeah, it's um, we need to ask about these questions about what about the crimes of these powerful institutions? When really are we going to? Yeah, yeah. amusing um, attempts by people to say things like, "Oh, but 
Elizabeth was very uncomfortable about apartheid um, and, and that kind of... Um, I tell you, who else was really back. uncomfortable about apartheid. Yeah, and, and okay, cool, cool. Um, could have done something about that, could have spoken out about it, um, could have done killed that fun. relationship off, uh, but did not uh, and, and didn't um, talk, speak out against apartheid at all until after its dissolution. Um, but going back to the individual versus institution stuff, okay, cool. Um, you know, these arguments around, oh, she, she was born into the role, like she did her the best she could, um, yada, yada, yada. Look, if, if you don't believe that an individual should be held to account for the institutional power that they hold, then get rid of that individual position. Yeah. Like, why does, that exist, why does it exist then? If, if that person um, sits in that role merely to uh, be a figurehead, um and not have any responsibilities um, that have any real weight beyond waving to people um, and and doing a an annual uh, and a speech to the nation, uh, while uh, you know allowing an outlet um, for all, all manner um, of it's like horrible it's, shit. Um, it, yeah, it's. And provide cover for uh, like the parliamentary decisions and a public face uh, for the state um, that has been propped up by, I mean, the longest PR campaign and marketing framework that has ever existed in human history. Yeah. I, then who can we hold yeah, to account for anything? That, that that was that was my thought. Is is I'm I'm old enough and and ugly enough to remember like the early 90s when the monarchy was was not in a good place and the queen was just seen as this uh you know it's like like this was all the stuff where like just just her children were just shagging all manner of people um and and uh, like shagging just, because they're british right shagging because they're british and and just you know and then and then diana died and the queen was suddenly seen as this cold uh this cold bitch who uh you know i mean correctly uh but just like the the pr as you said the pr campaign that came from that how she has somehow since then been elevated to the position of like the nation's grandma and like the fact that so many people just fail to see that for what again we come back to this this critical thinking like this is a person whose whose face is on the banknotes in something like 20 old countries and everyone's like oh she's she's just like my nan it's like no. she absolutely is not and my my favorite one um of all of the, the like the, the, the amount of bootlicking like the uh like all the unions in the uk that were striking or about to strike have said out of deference to out of deference to the figurehead of the institution that we are striking against dying um we are not going to strike anymore and it's like oh get fucked absolutely you should like, you should strike in her honor if, you, if you're gonna do anything like it's what, it's what she would have wanted she never worked a day in her life she's absolutely like yeah she was philosophical to level going to be behind <laughs> that um yeah and like i don't know um like pepperami sticks uh turning their their account black on twitter and out of respect for our queen because nothing says respect like not eating um a spicy chorizo sausage um but yeah my, my my personal favorite was was some um queer news website talking about how she was a quiet ally and there's a name for being a quiet, quiet ally, which is not being an ally. Um, just <laughs> like absolute, as you said, it's the same with like apartheid. Oh, she she didn't like apartheid very much. It's like neither did Black South Africa. As far as I know, she's still the palace is um, doesn't have to hold to anti-discrimination legislation. Yep. yep, they got an exemption wow. from that, so she wouldn't have to hire any any black wow. or brown people. But you know, quiet allyship. <laughs> <laughs> quiet allyship yeah but you know even if they did appoint black and brown people i don't think it changes anything <laughs> no, of course not, of course <laughs> I, not. Can't be, I can't be racist but as the extent to which right as ex the extent to which yeah plenty of the people who clean up my shit um are, are black and brown immigrants oh. so yeah but for me insane. it's like an epitome of the hypocrisy of western um you know liberal democracies and um western civilization in general where you know you claim to have 
um, uh, you know, the right to speak about things and you claim to, for example, um, care for human rights. This is the thing, right? Um, the Western democracies claim that they are the beacons of human rights. They they're interested in human rights and democracy and all these things. However, here is an institution that for many people across the world, many communities across the world, uh, symbolizes genocide. And, you know, it's, uh, it's glorified right in our faces without any regard for how it might make, you know, people feel who have been and ongoingly are affected by the impacts of what this crown represents and, um, you know, the nation as a whole, the United Kingdom as a whole, uh, how it has basically screwed over the rest of the world. So there is no regard for that. Like the genocides committed by uh, the British, or in India, for example, one of um, uh, Queen Elizabeth's best mates was Winston Churchill, and he committed genocide in India, right? So um, how are we supposed to make sense of this? So, you, you know, there's a glorification of the people who committed genocide on our people. So um, it, it, it's completely hypocritical. It's uh, uh, double standards, and it just shows that actually black lives, brown lives, and working class lives don't matter. Um, mm. in these countries and, and especially in these powerful institutions. They, they're just like window dressing, um, you know, having more black people, for example, as staff or something, it doesn't really address the root issues of, you know, of mm. uh, white supremacy. And it still continues in their foreign policy. They are going and invading countries in the Middle East, for example. Um, uh, we are thinking about Libya, Iraq, Iraq, where one million people died. Um, and yep. UK was one of the main actors there. So um, black, 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 brown and working class lives, you know, don't really matter um, to these institutions. And, um, you know, the exploitation continues. So, yeah, it, I just wanted to highlight the hypocrisy. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's very, uh, I say it's, it's very galling to see this. Um, that Again, like when um, King John, King Jong-il died in, in North Korea and the British press were giggling about, um, ah, you know, the, 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 the press in North Korea and like, oh, look, there's rainbows and, and you know, like clouds in the shape of, of our dear leader and people being very upset. And then seeing what is happening in Britain as, as the Daily Mail, like a cloud appears in the shape of our queen. Um, like all of like all of the screens in London and various other places at McDonald's, for God's sake like turning, you know, with, with a picture of it on it. Like this is like, if you saw that in uh, like in a film or something, you would be like, this dystopian thing is a little bit heavy handed. Like, where's the subtlety here? Um, like the threats to sort of sack people who aren't like tugging the forelock. And it's just, oh, it's absolutely cringeworthy. It's pathetic. But as you said, it's, it's, it's this sort of, gross veneer over an even more disgusting structural institution that has done so much damage and it's like but i i don't the thing is 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 to actually look at at the monarchy through anything other than well they work quite hard and you know she always seemed like a nice person means that that the british state has to have do some some thinking about itself that it really does not want to do like it, I, there is a real terror and in that culture of do, having any kind of accountability or even awareness of the damage it has done. That brings me to the kind of the question um, about this. Do, do we think this is the end of an era? There's been a lot of talk like, okay, this is going to be a significant change regardless. Um, there, there's been this, if nothing else, um, Queen Elizabeth II was a constant um, in people's lives for nearly a hundred years. Does this signal a, a, a large, a, a massive change um, in the way these institutions are going to be regarded? I don't think so. Like, I, I think, I know that there was a lot of talk about how the monarchy would probably end after Elizabeth, but I, the, the way that you see the wheels turning and the way you see that the consent is being manufactured, like... You know, Charles, the man that said that he wanted to be his his then at the time girlfriend's tampon, like has just just come in and immediately like 
has been elevated to this like there's this I, I have not seen anything from anything approaching like mainstream media about how he is he, I was gonna say not a good choice but there is no good choices let's be honest um that there will again Britain will do absolutely everything in its power to maintain at best a version of the status quo um that they're so resistant to any change that isn't making poor people's lives worse uh so I really I I don't see I don't see anything changing unless it's violently. And I, and I don't see that happening in Britain for quite some time. I agree. I agree. I don't think it's, um, it's going to change much. And um, I partly blame, you know, the media, of course. Um, recently, for example, I, I, whenever I look on Netflix or any of these, um, you know, wow, streaming true. services for something to watch. There's just so much royal propaganda. How many royal stories are they going to make into um, series and documentaries to whitewash this institution and to propagandize people against their own interests? So, um, you know, the, I don't know what the artists and intelligentsia in the, U, in the UK are doing. You know, of course, there are some who are pretty awesome, like Frankie Boyle. Um, I mean, of course, he's, Scot he's Scottish, I think. Um, there is uh, some critique, but if you look at the mainstream, what are these artists doing? Aren't, don't, doesn't, don't art have the responsibility to critique the powerful structures mm. of society? that aren't benefiting the working class. This is a feudal institution that, you know, gives power or gives regard to people on the basis of their birth. And, um, and it completely disregards the, all the atrocities committed in their name. So I, I don't know, it's just really disappointing to see the intelligentsia and the middle class and the media and the journalists. These people have high degrees from universities and supposedly- As well we know, it means like so much. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But the, the thing that, that I have noticed is the, this, like the British media culture is, is just, uh, uh, cancerous almost like it's horrifying um the way that like you have a very small circle of people whose sole goal is to let's say maintain a status quo where they are very comfortable and as you said like the amount of money pump like pumped into propaganda it's all it's the crown uh, you know her you know like mount batten is is blown up by terrorists do not ask what he was doing with those children on that boat at the time um you know like just uh, this real sort of like a forced sort of quite fascistic attempt to create this mythology around someone who is very bad but I thought that like I've seen some analysis and I think this is absolutely correct is is like this like lack of of ability to see what what we're actually holding up here as you said this is a feudal state we are like we are upholding culture where these people are seen as our betters like in many different ways like the queen is like the biggest landowner where was like someone said another landlord down like they they own vast tracts of land they're like they st they still asked for like austerity like they asked for like the, like our equivalent of cost of living payment during lockdown to pay their heating bills on their several castles like just um these are not good people and the the british state like exists to uphold that but people don't like to say yes i believe in a system where the people pay for these these other people to be held up as higher and better than us where you know like people don't like to admit that that's really what they're standing for but it is and it's someone described it as a bit of intellectual dishonesty and i think what you were saying about the media as well i was listening to um uh, god save the queen by the sex pistols a few times yesterday just by coincidentally and i thought that that came out in 1977 and i honestly cannot imagine that being like there was obviously quite controversial at the time i cannot imagine anything like that being allowed to gain traction the way it is that like the way it was back then um you had joe lycett on uh laura coonsberg's new um new chat show and he was very mildly sarcastic about the new prime minister and got just the response from the press was was just repulsed how dare someone be mildly critical of of the new prime minister on a on a tv show imagine like how dare they and i thought that yeah as you said that the, 
there's been such a sanitization. There's been this complete terror to to say anything that is remotely um, subversive against the ruling class. However, you can have right wing comedians go on national television and talk about how trans people need to be rounded up and put in camps. And that's fine. Apparently, that's just banter. Um, yeah, like the, the UK, I've said it before and I'll say it again, is a failed state. Um, just think about other, you know, the elders of the UK, uh, especially working class um, elders who are now don't have um, any guarantee that they, they can keep themselves warm in winter, this coming winter. And, you know, everyone's just focused on this lady who has you know, basically lived off the plundered wealth uh, off of slavery, transatlantic slave trade and uh, looting of India and Africa and, uh, you know, across the world. Um, but then the common the common uh, old person in the UK, uh, their, their situation is becoming more and more precarious and the media should be focused on that. Um, yesterday I saw an, uh, a particular um, media sort of uh, clip where... Uh, somebody said, ah, oh, the cost of living crisis for the old people, that's not as important as <laughs> the queen dying. And Jeez. yeah, so so that's where the priority of, you know, the elite, as well as the, you know, I'm going to say this word, the professional managerial middle class, <laughs> upper middle class, that's where the interest lies to uphold the status quo, rather than to see how we can improve the lives of, you know, the many rather than the few yeah. so it's um yeah it's it's really sad to see all that happen this Tory government really has been exemplified by its willingness uh, to throw the vulnerable under the bus uh, including you know specific policy decisions um for to let old people die um because it might uh lower the pension cost later on um yeah. and you know, specifically through the pandemic, it just seems like maybe it got one more person um, with these policy choices than they expected it to. See, <laughs> see you, Queen Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, I, I joke, but it's, it's. I cannot overstate how grim it is over there. Um, I, you know, my family are over there, and um, and lots of friends as well. And you hear about. So I, I mean, I, I left there about fifteen years ago. Uh, uh, but you hear about how things are over there now. Like, say, there is this culture of fear that if you say something that is not supportive enough of the current regime, that will get you into trouble. Um, the the just the the ratcheting up of gas prices, electricity prices, the fact that you have a, a media that is like, here's how you can eat moldy food safely. Here's how you buy like three jumpers to wear um, so that you stave off hypothermia. Here's how you can buy a 33 pound kettle, which will quick boil, which will save you five pounds in energy costs over the next five years. And it's just it's relentless. You know, at the same time, they're like, we need gunboats in the channel. They have the to- energy spinner to pay people's energy bills yeah. on morning breakfast TV, right? It's it's absolutely dystopian. And it's, uh, you know, friends of mine have got businesses which are, you know, going out of, like, they cannot afford to sustain themselves because the energy prices are so high. There's um, one, there was this interesting thing where a lot of sort of working and middle-class entertainment is being cancelled out of respect for our queen, which means that a lot of people on zero hours contracts and low wages are not, are going to miss out on money because those things, those events are cancelled, but also the rich people get to have their polo matches or whatever um, and don't have to go to work. And it's just... The thing is, I mean, these are structures that have always been in place in the UK. Like the, the UK has always been extremely hierarchical. It's, it's, it is a caste system. And, but the mask has come off now. Like it used to be, oh, this is the way things are, but it's, it's a good thing. Like there's always this chance for upward social mobility. And now they're just like, eat moldy cake, peasants. Yeah. yeah so those are the old people that we on the left should be focusing on. And also not this lady. <laughs> um, we should be thinking about the, you know, the millions of old people who are impacted by uh, the current situation uh, with ruling class and their contribution to the rest of the world. And just to think that, you know, all this looting has only benefited 
the ruling class in the UK. So working class across the world, we need to unite because um, the idea that this whole, it's its Britain who colonized us, it's not. It's actually the ruling class in the Britain that colonized uh, black and brown people across the world for, the, for their own benefit and against the interests of their own uh, working class. And the working class had to fight uh, the ruling class to get any concessions that they have now achieved. So, so yeah, so we're all, we should be together in this. I just want to say, just as the, as the last word on this, I just want to read this quote um, that was put out by a group called Rise uh, Indigenous. And this is what they had to say about uh, the Queen's passing. Today, we mourn all the stolen, the violated and traumatized lives who were affected and destroyed during Queen Elizabeth II's reign. Today is a brutal reminder that war criminals will be honored while entire populations and societies bear the battle scars of colonial genocidal violence, invasion, religious persecution, and white supremacy. So I just wanted to... Yeah, yeah. and that yeah, perfectly sums it up. Perfect uh, last word. Yeah. However, we're still on the royals, just briefly, um, <laughs> because I, I, I think it is, we do need to think about what, what the future does have immediately um, in store for us um, with a King Charles III um, ascending to the throne. Um, they managed to spin that around pretty quickly. Yeah, what what do we think that has in store? You, you've both uh, said that you don't think anything is going to change in terms of the institution and the way that we think about it critically, mm. you know, as a, as a society, um, as a series of institutions ourselves. But... Do, do we think even on, on a very basic um, visual level that it's going to be harder to maintain that given that King Charles III very much isn't an old um, grandma-like mm. woman um, and has a, a somewhat checkered um, mm. pop culture history, if not... Uh, being directly implicated in atrocities himself at this point. Yeah, I think it's going to be harder. Like the 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 consent factory is going to have to put in some overtime shifts, I think, to make this palatable to the vast number of people. But um, yeah, like he's, I don't know. I, I do my best not to think about these people as individuals. <laughs> um, so I don't know a huge amount about him other than you know, like he's awful. But I, yeah, I think there's... They are going to have to work harder, but they will. They will make it work, um, because, as I said, like the the need to maintain a status quo and to not have to name the thing that is unnameable is is just too strong in that culture. So, all of the like the there will be a, a very concerted effort to not talk about previous indiscretions. You will see all of these right wing papers continue to do the work of. Um, you know, this poor, this poor man in his 70s who has lost his mummy, um, who is bravely having to, um, you know, step into this new role. And uh, we should all support him in that because um, it's important to take care of people who have just started in a new job. Um, <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah, like it's, it's going to be sickening, but they, they will do it because this is, this is what they do. And they're very, very good at it. Any thoughts, Josephine? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, no, very fair, very fair. I think yeah. um, the one thing that us on the left I think I've be, had enough of the royals. <laughs> yeah. Please, make them go away. Um, yeah. One thing I think that the left or like the wider left media, social media grouping needs to be very aware of is that some of the stuff's going to get pushed pretty hard into our mm. space. Um you know, this yeah. as a person who has done a lot of inverted commas charity work, uh, done a lot of stuff um, in environmental charities, you know, he has put that PR work um, in uh, already. Be very, very aware that those are being used as ways to greenwash or whitewash um, mm, what, what yeah. is happening here. And please, for the love of God, don't um, say yes, King. Um, or talk about Red King Charles um, or hashtag Daddy Charles, even as a, a bit because they're, they're relying somewhat on that kind of media, uh, social media meme factory mm. to help 
um, pushes credentials in, in this space. He's, he's still the yeah. fucking king of, of England. Yeah. And um, it's like, if you it doesn't have change the, anything. If you have the power to light one of their castles, you can, you know, you can keep a village of old people warm through winter. Excuse me, this is the guy talking about environmentalism. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we need, the people need to seize their assets and maybe use it as a homeless shelter or you know uh, something like that, community centers or something like that, instead of uh, mm. wasting all that power to keep these things going when they hardly use these castles. Yeah, I think you're anyway. right. You're, yeah, it's what you said about like uh, um, Kyle about like the defanging of of this, and we like we've you, we've seen this from all all corners quite recently. This um, the Yas Queen, um, she's a nice person. Like she's our nana. It'll be really interesting to see the persona that they place on on this guy um, to make him, yeah, to make him seem seem more palatable. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be pretty. But yeah, if the left's response or or an anti monarchist response is what we're gonna see. So I think what we're gonna see is we're gonna see, uh, like I mean, like even the Republican movement in the UK were like, say what you like about the monarchy, but isn't she a nice person? I thought, you I, you as well. But I think what we're gonna see is um, you can't be mean to Charles because he is a man in mourning because he has lost his mum. Then it will be, uh, he is doing a, a good job in very difficult circumstances. Don't you know that there is a crisis on? Um, and then it will be, don't be mean to him because he is a frail old man. And that, I think, is going to be the trajectory. And at no point will, you know, you're not allowed to, to, to be mean to the man sitting on the solid gold chair with the looted jewels on his head because, um, you know, because he's going through it. He is an uwu small bean uh, head of state <laughs> who has anxiety. And, you know, we should be mindful of that. And just, Ross, I just want to ask you, like, when... Charles speaks it's doesn't it doesn't represent it doesn't sound like anyone you know I know from the UK it's almost <laughs> like where are these people from you know where completely <laughs> Germany <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's, a, it's such a fossilized like I mean I've you know I I'm from a like sort of working middle class background um you know like I'm, I'm certainly not gonna like do, do the whole off oh, family were very poor and everything else, but like we did all right. But like there is a, a class that is so high up in the social strata in the UK that they do not like come into contact with normal people at all. They like say so they all go to Eton, they all go to the, like the same the same schools, the same universities, they all go to the same sort of polo matches. Like that, it's just unimaginable to to normal people and they're yeah. so insulated from from everybody else like this really is people sort of think about this democratization of these things and oh she's just like us or he's just like us they are just like us but they they're not they have never been they never will be and but the greatest trick that they pull is to maintain this like this rarefied bubble of of inbred racists and yet do like they have their lackeys doing all this propaganda for them like in the crown to make them seem just like us as far as the human experience goes they're they're barely human at this point I, and I, I don't mean that like in a biological sense i'm not i'm not dipping into um we're <laughs> conspiracies here um but they, they are they, they, they do not understand like they do not have those same experiences. You say, okay, yeah, it's someone's mum or whatever. It's someone's grandma. Yeah, it's a prince's mum and a princeling's grandma. Mm. You know, like they, the closest they come to like the real human experience as it currently is, is waving to adoring masses. Um, it's, they're not real. <laughs> you know, they, and they have no self-awareness, right? They go to Africa and get the locals to carry them on, you know, on like, what do you call them? Those medieval, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And they they have so many kids and they lecture pe poor people not to have children. And that's what's going to save uh, the environment. And yeah, it's just uh, disaster after disaster from their mouths, I think. And yeah it's i just find that we need to move on from this institution <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Well, let's move on from this topic at least. Sorry, yeah. I just want to say yeah. that at the end of it, what is the role of the British Crown, right? For to me, it represents the status quo, right? The status quo in the in the UK is where the ruling class, the wealthy class, the aristocrats, um, the corporations, um, the billionaires, they run the show, and with the help of this sort of mythical institution, which is, has a, a, a religious sort of place in the minds of people, they're able to continue that status quo, uh, which only benefits the rich and the wealthy to the detriment of the working class in the UK and to the detriment of common people around the world who are continuing to be the victims of neo-colonial policies of the UK. So that's what, this monarchy represents to me the status quo, which is controlled by the elite in the uh, in the UK and in the West. Absolutely. All right. The second half of our podcast, we want to head closer to home in New Zealand. Um, we talked a little bit about you know the media deluge uh, around the passing of Queen Elizabeth, but the other big media story that came at the beginning of the week has kind of been lost in that was the documentary almost, uh, but news story on the situation with Rotorua emergency housing from Kristen Hall, which, yeah, like a fantastic, horrifying expose on the way that funding is just being poured into, um, I don't know, like... Pockets of the motel uh, owners. uh, Yeah. Slumlordism. uh, I mean, it is, but like new and improved, um, yeah. like spun up little uh, what are community provider kind of businesses um, that are apparently taking about a million a day um, in payments from the government to house our very most vulnerable people uh, and fucking it up horrifically mm. just in in the worst way possible um that's grim it's are we surprised though grim. are we surprised at this point no, no i'm not surprised no i mean i think this is a reflection of uh neoliberalism the neoliberal ideology where the individual is you know uh who's struggling is held responsible for their own situation where you know, we have a deserving and undeserving in our society and the undeserving are the poor. And so any kind of treatment can be meted out to them without any sort of uh, backlash. These Mm. people are the expendable people within our societies. And this is, um, for me, uh, proof that this notion of the team of 5 million is utter and complete falsehood. We are not a team of 5 million when we are allowing our children to live in these situations, right? So, yeah, it is a um, a testimony to the failure of uh, of this of our so, the social contract, and also the Bill of Rights, which you know uh, assures people a right to dignified life, a right to have a shelter, and so forth. So, it's a and also, I mean, I can say this later. So. I'll just pass the mic to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's it's interesting what we're saying about like the 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 maintenance of of sort of social class and social inequity because there is something that is deeply offensive about the the state apparatus spending millions of dollars a week to not not putting that money not, not giving that money direct to the people who need it not giving that money putting that money into um, affordable housing, not not doing any of that, but paying it to landlords, to a landlord class who maintain properties that are unsafe, that make people sick, that um, and and like rule rule over the most desperate people, like with an iron fist. You know, you hear like the, some of the details that came out of that. Like, say, it's shocking but not surprising. You know, I've I have worked with people who um, are living in, in the most dire of situations and it's like that but that that is part of the point and I think back to like the concept of sort of workhouses and things where the, the the idea was that these places were so appalling so dehumanizing so upsetting that 
because they didn't want to encourage people to stay there. They wanted it to be unpleasant so that people would either die or somehow manage to socially uplift themselves. And, um, you know, we have not seen a huge amount of difference. You think about benefit sanctions, you think about the ways in which, you know, we are so punitive towards the people who are the most vulnerable, you know, the way that you can be disabled and get benefit, like, and still get sanctioned. The fact that Labour had to come out and say, and say with a straight face, without a shadow of sort of awareness, oh, um, contrary to popular reports, we are still going to sanction disabled people on benefits because we think that is a social, like, imperative like how you could write that and not immediately just sink into a hole and like deep into the bowels of hell i do not know but that's where we are like we haven't changed the difference is again it's a propaganda machine we now do all this stuff with a hashtag be kind and put a nice hat on it it's the same it's the same stuff it's the propagation of this appalling status quo and i just i don't see how you fix that by voting i don't see how you solve this stuff through the mechanisms which have been designed to keep it in place. And can I also just say that it's also an indictment about the failure of this, you know, equity based um, uh, policies that, uh, for example, um, at the top highest levels, the higher echelons of society, you include some people from diverse um, you know, backgrounds and so forth. So we've got, for example, Marma Davidson as a homelessness minister. You know, we have Nanaya Mahuta as a foreign um, affairs minister. But no, there's no change, no change in the policies. And just think about who is worst affected. From that report, we could say it's predominantly you know, the brown people of New Zealand. We're looking at Maori and Pacifica communities. So this is where the commitment towards uh, anti-colonialism, biculturalism uh, should be, not at the top levels without any structural change. So that that's sort of a, a, an approach where we are focusing on more diversity among, you know, <laughs> among the powerful echelons of society uh, by completely uh, overlooking at the structural changes required to address colonization and the impacts of it, and also capitalism and the impacts of it. It's just an indictment to the failure of neoliberal incrementalist policies that just look at the, you know, uh, equity at the top without structural change uh, that impacts everyone. A really yeah. clear example of that has been one of the main providers that was, uh, well, they're trying to get an interview with for, for the news piece. Uh, about the uh, Rotorua emergency housing scandal um, as a dude called Tiny Dean. And he's been all over the news as like a, a community, like stalwart, like helping out these poor people without housing. Like he's been on morning breakfast shows. Wasn't fucking turning up to be questioned about the shit show he's running, was he? Like he like tries to kick the journalists off the property. Um, turns out, he also runs a security firm, uh, which he uses to police uh, the emergency housing that he runs. Um, these are places where, you know, people are being assaulted, um, people are selling drugs out of them, uh, people are taking advantage of uh, the people working there constantly. Um, they're covered in mold, uh, the doors don't close, uh, sometimes there's not running water. It, like, it goes on and on. Uh, but this person was being celebrated in the media because that was a helpful way to prop up and propagandize this particular set of policies um, around housing. And as you say, Josephine, like it, does, it doesn't matter who we um, put up the top. Yeah. Um, also, it doesn't matter what they are saying if the structures and the outcomes effectively don't change. In some ways, it's worse. In some ways, it is actually worse to, to be in that situation. You mentioned Marama Davidson. Um, so she's a Green Party uh, co-leader. She's the Associate Minister for Housing, uh, in brackets, homelessness. Yeah. Um, you'd have thought she would have been all over this one. Mm. Um, have not heard a peep out of the Greens on this. Yeah. And it's incredibly disappointing, um, let, let alone out of, out of Marama, like, We've had a crack at James Shaw previously for for not um, pushing climate stuff better as as minister for climate, and we have to do the same here. This is as bad, if not worse. Uh, she's the associate minister. She is meant to be like the activist part of the co-leader arrangement for the Greens. 
she absolutely should be breaking. She's 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 not in cabinet. She should absolutely be breaking with the Labour line on this. If Megan Woods, as the Minister for Housing, is going to brush it off, as she has for the entire week, she's going to say, oh, I don't think it's really a problem. Then what are you doing as Associate Minister to push back on that? Um, like, literally, if I was in this position, I would walk away from that ministerial post. Yeah. There, yeah. there is there's almost nothing else you can do at this stage yeah. uh, to to show that you are serious about this. Um, yeah. Because this is pro- this is probably one of the biggest scandals of of this Labour government so far. Labour mm-hmm. is completely unwilling to even accept there is a problem. We mm-hmm. have evidence, like of that there is a very extreme problem that goes directly against Green Copper. Fucking do something. And I've yeah. just got two points. Oh, yeah. um, Ross, do you want to jump in? Okay, no, so- no, you. So I've got two two points to make here. First of all, uh, an analysis of the policies that got us here. Okay, so first of all, when we think about housing and uh, how it has in the neoliberal era uh, been offloaded, number one, to, you know, third sector organizations and also private sector in this case. Um, So that is a very key feature of neoliberalism where the government is retreating, but actually the government isn't retreating, right? So the, we are spending $1 million every day to pay for these horrific motels. And and uh, the, the cost so far has been $1.2 billion. So instead of creating lasting assets that we can we collectively own and then wouldn't be uh, costing us so much the the state should take responsibility uh, to build more housing uh, instead this government this labor government is continuing in the neoliberal path of you know the, these sorts of neoliberal market-based solutions where the taxpayer money is being funneled into the private sector it's being funneled into the pockets of the already rich the people who own property so this is a complete an utter failure of neoliberalism that we're seeing unfolding before our eyes. It is completely inhumane. We need to be building assets, collective assets that we can tap into in situations of crisis, rather than just giving away money, millions and billions of dollars to the private sector like this, and who can't even assure, you know, a livable quality within these motels. We, we are giving it to slumlords. And then the second point I want to make is about how this sort of you know failure from liberal um, center centrist in my view I wouldn't call them I wouldn't call labor center left I'm calling them center or even center right when it comes to economics how, so this how it leads to um, the working class and poor people moving to towards right-wing conspiratorial um, uh, sort of spaces. Think about the complete disenfranchisement and disillusionment these people who are victims of the system will have um, to the system that is being headed by the Labour government. And so when you think about the Labour government, they have the, the label of Labour of being the left um, you know, party in the mainstream. And they it's their policies are causing them this much trouble. So then uh, the poor and the working class are like, we tried the labor, we tried national, neither of these are working. So, w- so there must be something wrong with the system and they f- seek refuge in other wacky um, sort of conspiratorial explanations of the system. And they get attracted towards, um, uh, uh, you know, conspiracy theories and all those sorts of uh, the right-wing movements uh, that we're seeing rise in New Zealand. So, um, and I've seen that the left and the intelligentsia in New Zealand focus on, for example, the um, the protesters in, in front of the parliament who just have no trust in this government because the government has frigging screwed them up. Why would they have any, any trust in it? And, you know, they get misled into these conspir- uh, conspiracies and the left are focused on criticizing those people instead of recognizing that actually 35% of those protesters were Maori and, you know, yeah, there were elements of white supremacy, but what led to this? We need to hold the powerful to account for completely leaving out 
the poor and the working class in a state where they are, you know, willing to accept other alternative uh, explanations um, and dangerous explanations to the uh, to the situation that they are in. So the powerful, the Labour government, and all. Uh, the neoliberal governments of New Zealand since the you know 1980s uh, have to be held responsible for this right-wing turn among hmm. the poor and the working class. Yeah, when people yeah. are desperate and traumatized, they turn to things that help them make sense of it, whether whether that's like legitimate sense or not, um, and or give them some sense of safety and community. Like, yeah. and sometimes there's going to be some bad shit. Hmm. And I think, I mean, I, I'm as I'm as guilty of this as anyone. Like, it's that it's easier to look at the um, look at the behaviour of 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 the victims of sort of state and you know institutional violence yeah. and 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 see that as a failing rather than 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 as you said, just feeling like holding holding the, the state apparatus itself to account. But I yeah. think what like that uh, there is a real theme throughout this this episode. I think which is that of the absolute cast iron need by the you know like the state itself to maintain the status quo at the expense of the, the poorest and the most vulnerable you know like as it has always been as it shall always continue to be and i think there is the the, the part that people like myself play is the need to sit uncomfortably within that space and go why is it that you know it is it is very funny like for me to laugh at uh you know like the people who are completely bought into that sort of propaganda around around the queen and now the king like because it is funny but also like there is a reason why people are in that space um there is a, a reason why we cling to um like the illusion of of sort of social mobility we cling to the illusion that these people actually care about us because the alternative and the only ways that you really fix that are very very unpalatable and very very scary you know, like yeah. Britain continues to hang on to these really inequitable systems. It continues to hang on to the fact that like, um, you know, like people are unable to heat their homes and are being told to eat mm. all the food. Like other countries, they would be taking to the streets by now, but the unions and things that would do that sort of thing and strike have said, actually, deference, we're not going to do it. Like the, the state maintains itself. And it's, I don't know at what point that breaks. I think New Zealand is is not is not as far down that road, but it is a continuation of the same thing. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, I've said elsewhere. Uh, by and large, I you, you just can't fault individuals for being part of this huge thing. Um, you know, people people can can step step back individually and critique, but there's a reason that people feel this way. There's a reason why these things are set up this way. Um, and this isn't like a, a sheeple argument or anything like that, uh, because I think that's just as unhelpful. Um, this is an incredibly well-oiled uh, machine with a particular set of outcomes that it wants to achieve. Uh, and if people don't have the, the time or the inclination to um, kind of investigate that, that's part of the machine as well. You know, that's, that's part of the intent. The system has failed these people. A government that came promising transformative change delivered nothing. We're talking about so many more people in emergency housing and the housing waiting list, you know, I don't know, tripled. It's close to 30,000 right now. And so the system has failed. And so, yeah, people are seeking alternative explanations for it. And we need to hold the powerful to account um, and those responsible. And the, especially this term, the Labour had brute majority. They they could have done any policy that they liked. Literally anything. Literally yeah. anything. <laughs> and yet they, you know, they ran on um, appeasing the wealthy. They said they would never, you know, think of a wealth tax. They said they would never consider a capital gains tax all these things are contributing to this right they are uh, beholden by the wealthy class and in new zealand at the moment we are in a state where the top 10 percent own six over 60 percent of the wealth the bottom 50 percent own two percent of the wealth this is atrocious and a, a, a party that calls themselves labor party is not concerned about the situation and continues to put out policies that benefit the wealthy or protect their interests, if not, you know, directly benefit them. So then where do we go to? Where do the working class and the poor go to? 
And unfortunately, oftentimes it could be some, you know, nefarious elements in society. So, yeah, that's the situation we are in and we need to organize against it. <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it. Yes, a good last word. Thank you. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining joining me for this special episode of One of Two Hundred. Respectfully. <laughs> thank you. Right. Thank you very much for having us. And thank you, everyone else, for listening. You've been a wonderful audience. Share, uh, retweet, put it on Facebook, uh, send it to your Instagram circles, friend groups, put it on TikTok. Uh, clip it. Uh, if you've enjoyed it, uh, we've got a Patreon link in the summary as well. You can do that or give us a review, give us a five-star review and, and say uh, how great you think we are. That's been another week of one of 200. We'll catch you next week for another episode. See you later. Keeping your glass half full The relentless routines The dying embers of your dreams Is a lie aspirational Will you die keeping your glass half full? You don't hate your nation You hate nationalism You don't hate